segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is LPGA player and legend Gail Graham. Let me remind you a little bit about Gail's background. She's from Vanderhoof, British Columbia, out there in Western Canada. She played her college golf at Lamar University, where she was a four-year letterman and an academic All-American in 1986. She was a member of their 1983 team that finished seventh in the NCAA Division I National Championship. She was inducted into the Lamar University Hall of Honor back in February of 2000. Gail finished fifth in the Canadian Amateur Championship in 1985 and won the Manitoba Amateur Championship and the SMU Fall Classic that same year. She was a member of the Canadian Commonwealth Championship team in 1987, turned pro in 88, and won the Manhattan Futures Classic title. She qualified for the LPGA Tour in 1990 by finishing fifth at the LPGA Qualifying Tournament in the year before there in 89. She got her first win on tour at the 1995 Fieldcrest Cannon Open by two strokes over Tammy Green. She won again in 97 at the Australian Ladies Masters by one stroke over Kari Webb. She won the 98 Canadian PGA Women's Championship as well, and in 2001, she became the first non-American president of the LPGA Tour. 2002, she was awarded the William Mousy Powell Award, which is given annually to the LPGA player whose behavior and deeds exemplify the spirit, ideals, and values of the LPGA Tour. 2008, she was inducted into the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame. 2015, inducted into the British Columbia Hall of Fame. And you can see her now out on the LPGA Legends Tour, plus alongside my good friend Tom Patrick down at Esplanade Golf and Country Club in Naples, Florida. And I am honored she is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Gail. Thanks for coming back on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> you are welcome. So, Gail, I got to ask you right off the top, what's it like sharing the practice tea with Tom Patry? <laughs> uh, this is a family show, right? No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, there's no kids listening right now. Go ahead. It's all, you know, it's awesome. I've learned uh, an immense amount from Tom Patry. He's given me a wonderful opportunity to be be next door to him. Um, on the tee box, and and um, you know, I've got a nice spot down there, to, down here at Esplanade, and the the members are uh, wonderful, and we've got lots of outside students that come in, and and um, it's always a treat to be uh, with Tom out there and listen to him um, teach and and watch how he he does things. Um, like I said, I've learned a ton, and and he's been really great to me. And you guys are both members of uh, Golf Tip Magazine's uh, Top 25 Instructors. Talk about now the role that you're playing uh, with them and, and also some of the instruction that we can find available in their magazine when we subscribe. Well, um, I'm, I'm working on some of the, uh, the uh, articles now. Uh, did a great photo shoot on a freezing cold day up in Orlando just before the PGA show. And um, so I've got all those to put together. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, we need to try to help the golfer um, swing how their body is uh, allowing them to. And so I have found some keys that uh, make some some difference for, for you know, older players and um, one of them being rotation. So I've got a rotation. Uh, it's almost like a workshop on how to make your body turn a little bit better and, and how to use, um, you know, pressure and and uh, weight shift to be able to get you to, to your left side, to your forward foot, 
excuse me. <laughs> I got to think about those lefties out there because I've got a few of them. Um, and just, you know, try to get them through onto their forward foot so that they're making a motion towards the target rather than into the ground at the ball. So, um, you know, that's one of the things I'm working on. I think, you know, short game is always a big topic with me. Um, and I know with Tom as well. And, you know, yeah. having played so many years of competitive golf, um, you really want to make it as simple as possible and have a little bit of a plan and, and, um, and a, and a type of technique that is very repeatable. And, um, you know, that's part of the game that I think now post tour is much better for me as my short game is, is, uh, pretty solid. And, um, you know, that's kind of nice when the ball goes awry. <laughs> You've got to be able to get it up and down from the trash can sometimes. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's another part that I'll be working on too. Again, you, know, you, you mentioned the cold up in, in Orlando and for, for all of us that live a little north of Florida, we are just now starting to see the temperatures get nice outside, and hopefully we're going to start to see some warmer, nicer weather. But for all of us that are just now getting our golf clubs out of hibernation, what's the best way to get ourselves reacclimated for the new golf season? Well, I really, I really think there needs to be, um, a, especially as you get older, uh, some attention paid to your flexibility. Um, I have been, I have spent a good part of this winter working out with a trainer who's TPI certified um, to give me opportunity to stretch the muscles that I want for my golf swing that uh, maybe uh, over the course of definitely the winter, they would uh, maybe atrophy or just not be used to, um, you know, the motion that the, that the golf swing requires. And I think it's really important to, to get your body ready to make that motion. And I mentioned rotation earlier, you know, just some things that you can do to, to, make your body feel what that is going to feel like when you then have an impact. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to just uh, stand up and stretch in the morning, but, you know, making sure that your, your wrists are loose and your forearms aren't tight and, and your hamstrings have some flexibility in them and your lower back is stretched out. Um, you know, even taking a couple clubs and, and just swinging with the weight of two clubs instead of one or an orange whip. Um, that kind of thing will help you loosen up for your golf swing and to take it and swing it the opposite direction too. try to balance it out. Um, my golf swing is not very pretty from the left-hand side of the golf ball. And, but <laughs> if I, I know that if I swing from the left-hand side of the golf ball a little bit before I start hitting balls, I'm, I'm better um, able to have some good extensions through the ball because I've loosened that side of my body up. And I think that's, that, that's a really big part of it. Um, you know, leg strength and low back strength is, is super important as well, trying to make sure that you're strong there. Um, we try to use those muscles, especially as a smaller person and a shorter person. Uh, you know, I try to use what my dad used to call my lower center of gravity, uh, my back and my legs to, to drive through the golf ball and to make that good rotation to be able to, to hit solid golf shots and repeat my golf swing. So, you know, that's, I think that's really important. Um, I also think that as coming out of the winter, you know, if you're going to approach the game with sort of a new vigor, then really, really turn your focus to your short game. Uh, you know, I, I I was just listening to Bob at the end saying he hits it further uh, now than he did earlier in his career. And, and um, you know, I could say the same thing, too, and, and that equipment has a lot to do with that. Um, and the ball has a lot to do with that. But at the same time, I've, I think I'm in better shape. Um, than I was near the end of my golf career on tour. So I think that that plays a role of, role in it as well. Um, so just, you know, making making sure that you're physically ready to play and then 
having working on the short game so that your uh, scores will go down a lot quicker. Those scores seem, our strokes seem to count just the same as that long tee shot. So we should really be working there, and, and that's the the basis of the full golf swing comes in that little half swing. So if we can get that feeling comfortable and make it a good motion through the golf ball, you go to swing with the bigger clubs, uh, you'll be far far better off and, and have better tempo with them. And, Gail, I remember Jack Nicholas always talking about how at the beginning of every new golf season, he would start out making sure his fundamentals were right. And when I was looking yeah. over uh, on, on your website, gailgramgolf.com, I, I know that's important to you as well. How can we make sure we're starting off back, you know, with the right grip and the proper stance and all of those sorts of things? Well, those are definitely things that are, are you know, I consider the sort of four sort of core fundamentals. I call them the gaps grip, alignment, posture, and stance. And under each one, obviously, there's there's a few details to it for it. So, you know, the grip is the only way we have contact with the golf club. And if your grip is incorrect, it's going to mess up the rest of your golf swing. Um, so start there. And, and you know, definitely see a, an instructor and make sure that you're holding on to the club correctly. Um, it's, a, it's hard to make a good golf swing if you're not starting from a good starting point. So um, alignment-wise, I am amazed. The more I teach, I am amazed at how many people think that their body needs to align at the target. Um, and the body's a whole lot bigger than that club face. So if your club face is aimed at the target, at, but your body is as well, you're going to have a hard time making that the actual target. So we want to make sure that we're parallel to our target line with our body instead of aiming at the target. Um, so that's, that's very important. And I like to tell people, if you use your eyes and you let your body react, um, you will align a lot quicker and a lot more consistently in that position where you're parallel to your target line. So very important. Posture-wise, obviously we need a little angle to our swing to be able to take that club up over our shoulder and swing it back down to the ball. So um, posture really being important in that if your spine is curved um, and kind of rounded and your chin's in your chest, you're going to have an awfully hard time repeating your golf swing. So there has to be some straightness to your spine. And if you feel like you can tip over to the ball with your arms hanging very nicely from your shoulders and you're not reaching out to the golf ball, you're going to be able to make a nice turn in your backswing. So posture is super important. And then with the with the stance, if we're too wide, we have a hard time getting a nice turn through our golf swing. Um, we tend to slide a little bit. So you want to have a, a reasonable width to your uh, to your setup. Kind of, you know, we will say shoulder width, but it's amazing how many people their shoulder width is quite a bit larger than their shoulders. Um, so <laughs> I like to do a little test on people to see if they can, if they're biomechanically, they become balanced with their stance width, stance width. And really, what it ends up being is, you know, the inside of your shoulders match the inside of your heels. And if you're pretty close to that, um, your stance is going to be uh, a correct width. And then looking at within your stance where your weight is, you know, good posture. Um, will allow you to get your weight um, sort of forward onto your shoelaces near the balls of your feet as opposed to back on your heels so that your legs can be involved in the golf swing. If we get back on our heels, we have a hard time making a motion with our legs and our lower body being involved. So those four things, the gaps, I like to have them uh, you know, give, a, give a checkup to everyone when I uh, pretty much every lesson, no matter they've been with me for one lesson or for a whole bunch. That's one of the first things I look at are those four things just to make sure they're correct every time. And, you know, some of the younger students that I teach, uh, the kids that are in high school and college, that's I remind them all the time that if, it's, if they 
golf swing or they feel bad on the golf course if things are not happening, go back and check those. That's easy to check when you're on the golf course and realize that maybe one of those things is out of whack and makes a for a hard time to make the ball to go where you want it to. So fundamentals definitely important. Get out and see your golf professional you know, early in the season to get those checked. And Gail, another thing that uh, I found on your website was a blog that you wrote regarding chipping and, and really having intention. And I think that's something a lot of we amateurs struggle with. We, we, we're sort of committed to the shot when we're standing <laughs> over it, but you, we don't fully commit. We get a little indecisive. We decelerate the club on the way down because we're not quite sure that was the right shot. And then we end up chunking it and coming up way short. How can we do a better job of committing to a shot? Well, having that intention, you mentioned that. So one of the things I like to tell people is that if you make a list take to the grocery store and you leave it at home, you might get everything that you had on the list, but you might get a few other things and you will certainly be very inefficient in how you go through the grocery store. You'll be all over the place. You'll be back over here, aisle four, and then aisle 10, and then you have to go back to aisle four. So that's how I not making a plan when you when you hit any shot, um, but if you have a plan when you're when you're getting ready to hit a chip shot, your brain really likes that organization. And so if you choose not only you know where you want the ball to end up ultimately, hopefully the bottom of the cup, but also where you want the ball to land. And if you really pay attention to where you want that ball to land, when you make your motion in that chip shot and you do land it there, the result is going to be what you wanted it to. If you catch it a little thin, you might have a little top spin so that it'll land short but roll out to the pin. Or if you catch it really crisp, then you might have a little back spin so it'll carry a little bit further, it'll grab a bit, and then the result will be not so bad either. Um, so if you have that intention, that actual commitment to what you what you want to do with your shot, I think you're going to be far better off. The uh, One of the things, the biggest mistakes that, that amateur recreational golfers have is they they stop at the ball. They don't let their um, their swing, their motion in that chip shot finish. So I would say equal parts. If it goes back to eight o'clock in your backswing, you need to go through to eight o'clock in your follow or four o'clock in your follow through. Make that an even stroke back and through, just like the pendulum of a grandfather clock, and that's going to provide you with much better acceleration, steady acceleration through the ball. So you might actually hit the club face rather than the leading edge of the golf club or really down at the, at the bottom groove where the ball will then just go skidding across the green. And it's incredible to me how many people think, if I actually swing through that far, then the ball's going to go too far. I had a, a lady I was working with this morning who I was trying to get her to swing her hands from waist high to waist high. So back to waist high in the back swing and through the ball to waist high in the fall. She was terrified. And every time she stopped at the ball, the ball would go zinging across the green. And then when she finally let it go from 9 o'clock all the way back to 3 o'clock, she hit this beautiful high-lofted shot. She stood around, turned around, and looked at me, and just her chin just dropped, and her mouth just hung open. And I said, see? And she goes, wow, I never would have thought that could have happened. Uh, sort of a misnomer <laughs> of the game. We don't, we want to swing through the ball, not do the ball. So, um, like you said, intention is very important in that, in every shot you hit. Um, and I think when you get closer to the green, you can be far more precise. And if you learn to hit different, um, clubs to land at the spot you want it to, to land at, you'll see that if you land the eight iron there in a little chip shot, it'll roll out quite a ways. If you land the sandwich where there, it's not going to roll out quite as much. So then you can go ahead and make a educated decision as to how much 
how much air time you want versus how much roll time you want and uh, and make that nice even pendulum swing end up with a pretty decent shot and, and just to expand a little bit on what you just said there at the end different clubs i think a lot of us amateurs we, when we're when, no matter what the chip shot is we're either grabbing our sand wedge or we're grabbing our pitching wedge <laughs> and that's it and we're walking mm-hmm. out to hit hit that shot I think based on some of the other things that I read, you're more of a proponent of make sure if you can get the ball on the ground for as long as possible, that's yeah. uh, a better opportunity, a better recipe for success, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the very first things I do when I look at a shot that I'm about to hit, a chip shot that I'm about to hit is where is halfway? And it's if, ha- if halfway to the hole is on the green, and let's say it's on the green maybe three or four feet, I can say, okay, that's my pitching wedge. That's my, that's my, that's ground zero. Pitching wedge is going to fly halfway and roll halfway. And so if I, if I know that I'm, I've got more green to work with and halfway is 15 feet onto the green, I've got that 15 feet that I can work with. I can go back and go down to nine iron or eight iron and just carry the ball just onto the green and let it roll out. You're in, you're in a little bit more control. You don't have to be as precise. Um, your skill level doesn't have to be as, as high if you get the ball on the ground quickly. And I think, you know, everybody loves to see that ball go up in the air and land. And, and But if we are standing there and we've got sandwich in our hand, our tendency is to hit it where we think and end up coming up way too far short because we don't allow for there to be enough rollout. So you need that lower loss so that it will actually roll out the, you know, if you if you think about European golf, or, or I should say, you know, Scottish golf, where they roll the ball on the ground a lot, they seem to be pretty good at that. If you can figure out how to do that with everything up from, you know, your 8-iron, your 7-iron, your 6-iron, maybe even a hybrid, and have those land short of the green and, and see what they do, and then realize that that's a uneven, unknown surface. If you, if you hit it into the hill, if you hit it into the grain, you're not really sure what that ball is going to do, but if you can land the ball on the green and let it roll out, you're going to have a better understanding of, of how that grass is going to work, work for you. It's going to let the ball roll out. So to then take those clubs, the little bit higher lofted ones, the pitching wedge, the sand wedge, maybe the lob wedge, and fly them on the green and see how far they go. I, I like to take students and, and drop a, a, a poker chip on the green and have them stand there with four or five different clubs and just try to make a swing that will land the ball at that poker chip so they can see how far it rolls up. And you can sort of see the light bulb go on where, wow, on number two, when the pin's up front, I could hit my sandwich and land it that far on the green and it'll stop by the hole. But if the pin's way back, I can't hit my sandwich because it got up in the air way too much and I'm, I don't know how far back to swing and how far through to swing. So maybe I could take my eight iron and land it at that same spot and it'll roll all the way back. And it's kind of fun, um, you know, to see people kind of grasp that and realize that there is some imagination here that you can definitely use and play rather than just try to hit these shots that you see the tour pros do every week. The big difference is they practice a whole lot more than uh, the amateur golfers do and they have better control of their ball. So, uh, you know, on those days where you feel a little sassy and you've got the, you've got a good feel going, sure, fly the ball. But definitely if, if you're, Trying to get your scores down, get that ball on the ground as fast as you can, land it on the green, and let it roll out to your pin. 
Yeah, one more before I let you go, and I want to switch gears a little bit. In, in a few weeks, we're going to have the Augusta National Women's Amateur event with the final round being played there at Augusta National. How big mm. of an event become for uh, women's amateur golf? Oh, I think it is outstanding. Of course, I would love for the, the young women to be playing at Augusta National for the entire event, but it's a start. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of talk when it was first announced about why is it the LPGA, it should be the LPGA playing the event. They're not a bunch of amateurs. And I disagree because the players on the LPGA have lots of opportunity to play wonderful golf courses. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure that the, if they really thought about it, they really uh, uh, dug deep down the comparison of the pro women versus the pro men on that golf course, I think would be overwhelming. Um, and I don't think it would be a bonus. But for the amateur golfers, they don't have as many opportunities to play exceptional golf courses like Augusta National. So I think it's a wonderful step, and I hope that in the future we get to see, um, you know, maybe the, the final two rounds on Augusta instead of just the final round. But, boy, this is the one time that I would like to be that, you know, 20-year-old kid playing college golf and, and top ranked so that I could get that invitation because what a, what a great opportunity um, for that. And, and for all those young younger kids who are there at the drive, chip, and putt, for those girls, little girls, to know that they might have the opportunity to play Augusta National one day in that event, it's just, uh, I think it's really inspiring. I, I Kudos to Augusta National for, for making that happen. And, and uh, you know, I'll definitely watching to see score. I hope, I wish I could get up there to see it, but, um, you know, I, definitely watching to, to follow some of the players that I know that are playing and, um, and sort of be happy for them um, and for women's golf, too, for, for that event, because I think it's going to be wonderful. Gail, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and uh, follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, I've got uh, my website, gailgramgolf.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram is gailgram, gailgramgolf.com, so you can find me there. Um, you can follow me once in a while on the Golf Channel and some of the uh, LPGA events. Um, I do some commentating out there, and um, obviously at Esplanade Golf Club um, and Golf and Country Club down here in Naples. Um, come visit me. Would love to see everybody and, and also uh, to hear from them as well. Well, Gail, it's always a huge thrill having you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for coming back and uh, joining me again tonight. I hope you'll do it again soon. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate it. Take care, Gail. All the best to you and your family. Thanks. See you, Gail. That's the great Gail Graham. And I tell you, folks, GailGrahamGolf.com is uh, the name of her website. It's absolutely outstanding stuff and uh, a lot of great articles, a lot of great videos, a lot of great instruction, and really looking forward to having her as part of the show again real soon. I've got my next guest, Tom Patry, hanging on the line. I'm going to get to Tom right on the other side of this real quick message about our friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. 
Use code on the T20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. <laughs> 